On today's show, the Bucks clinch the number one record in the East, the number one seed throughout the postseason, and the league's number one record. They came from behind. They were down 10 early in the third quarter against the Bulls, but some big performances from Bobby Portis, Brooke Lopez, Drew Holiday, and Frank's man Wesley Matthews showed signs of life. We've got plenty of positives to talk about tonight, but also the concerning element of this game. Chris Middleton exits early with right knee soreness. Not a new story, but also not a fun story. Let's get into it. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Alongside me, the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. And as always, we thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first watch or first listen of every single weekday. And we get into postseason time, so you know there's going to be some weekend podcast action as well. So whether it's the audio platform or YouTube, where the, the real action is happening on YouTube, particularly in the comments section, we appreciate your support. We appreciate your listening. And I'm sure you're all as excited as we are that after... 80 games, a couple to go till we get to the postseason, but the Bucks, somewhat surprisingly to me, if you said it at the start of the season, I might not have believed that they've clinched the number one seed in the Eastern Conference and the, the league's best record. Uh, so if you haven't yet, subscribe, drop a like, a comment, give us a rate, rating or a review or all those nice things. It's free to do and we really appreciate it. Lots to get through tonight, Frank, on this post-game show. The Bucks. In the end, beat the Bulls 105-92. to They were down 10 early in the third quarter, but they finished this game strongly. I know that there is going to be significant concern, and I imagine most of the feedback we get from this podcast is going to be around Chris Middleton. But I also was watching the end of this game, and it was pretty nice to think again that this team now, who knows if they get to 60, best record in the NBA. I also don't want to skip over that and get straight to the negatives. And I think we should start there. We should start with the fact that even six weeks ago, we wouldn't have predicted that this was going to be the case for this Bucks team to get to the position they are. And we'll see what happens with Chris Milton. But this is ultimately where you want to be, Frank. Yeah, I mean, you know, when your whole season revolves around getting to the postseason, there's really only kind of like two big picture things that you want to do and accomplish over the 82 games of the regular season. One is win as many games as you can position yourselves as well as you can for the postseason. set up, you know, any advantage you can get as far as home court seating, et cetera, and health, right. And just going to the playoffs um, healthy and hopefully playing the kind of basketball that, you know, you think is good enough to, to win a championship, certainly decidedly mixed uh, reviews on those two things. Right. Um, you know, we'll cross our fingers here that the, you know, the Middleton news is just that it's going to, you know, some sort of aggravation. And the upside is you can now basically give them a week and a half off, uh, not have them have to play, obviously, this weekend. And then next week, obviously, the uh, playing games are going to happen. And you can kind of sit back and, and say, all right, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten, you guys figure out what you're going to do. 
and then we'll we'll play whoever comes out of that. Um, so again, timing is bad for any injury at this point of the year. We talked about it after the Grayson Allen injury, like any, you know, soft tissue injury, ankle injury, certainly, you know, knee injury, um, anything like that you worry about because we're so close to the playoffs starting. You really don't want obviously Chris to, to miss time, uh, let alone, you know, be limited moving forward, uh, as you head into the most important part of the season, but we're just gonna have to see, I mean, there's, there's nothing we can really say at this point about what that you know could mean other than the fact that, I mean, I think to win a championship, you're going to need Chris Middleton. And so, uh, you know, the upside was there was not kind of the same obvious sort of mechanism of injury that we saw uh, when he hurt his knee a year ago against the bulls. Of course you don't need to, you know, have some big ugly fall to, to hurt your knee. Um, but again, glass half full, I'll tell myself, well, Hopefully, you know, he, he kept playing through it. You, you could see it. I don't know if you saw it came, but I, I noticed it right away. He just clearly was not right, kind of running back on the court after he missed a, a shot on the first possession. So something kind of happened when he went, you know, came back down from his shot, but he waved off um, the bench and wanted to stay in the game. And I think he stayed in the game about six minutes until he got pulled, six, seven minutes maybe. I think actually, I think he got eight minutes technically is what he was credited for in the box score. So I guess that's a good sign that he kept playing for eight full, you know, full minutes. I think he, he did try to play a little bit after I think he um, hurt the knee in the playoffs last year as well, but that seemed to be a much, you know, kind of clear injury that, that he sustained in that game. So, so yeah, we'll see kind of what, what this means, but um, I think obviously the big headline, you know, we can kind of park that for now and see where things land tomorrow. But um, on the second night of the back-to-back, you know, that you knew coming in, obviously, uh, pre-game, Giannis goes through his to warm up. He decides, you know, what he's going to sit this one out due to his kind of perpetual knee soreness. I'm not going to push the panic button on that at all. Um, but you know, not shocking that that they didn't want to really push things with Giannis. Uh, so to basically, you know, be without your superstar and one of your all stars, and this was definitely a game that I mean, they they came out, Bucks hit a bunch of threes early. But Chicago then kind of started to take it to him and you're down 10 points early in the third quarter. And I think it was Bobby Portis was the one basically firing the team up on the bench. And again, this was one of those games where you really see the luxury of having Bobby Portis as your sixth man. You slot him into the starting five. He delivers 27 points, 13 rebounds. Brooke Lopez, yet again, another 20 plus point scoring performance from him. And Drew Holiday's playmaking and timely shot making. You know, ultimately that was enough combined with a refreshingly stout defensive effort, Kane. We, we hadn't been, been, a, been a few games since we saw one of those from the Bucs. Um, and again, Chicago obviously has been kind of a Jekyll and Hyde team all year. So uh, to be able to, you know, get to 58 wins, clinch home court throughout the playoffs, uh, that part certainly I didn't expect coming into this season and to lock it up here, heading into the final weekend, give yourself some flexibility to not play, certainly these guys that are battling injuries, but also to rest you know, Giannis, Brooke, uh, Drew, et cetera, if you want. Um, that is a, a huge luxury to have and um, certainly something to celebrate, even while we do have some concern about these injuries. But um, yeah, I mean, what a what a tremendous season here for the Bucks to to lock up home court throughout the playoffs. Um, that's you can't do any better than that, right? So um, now, now obviously you set yourself up very well here heading into the postseason. So Bud was asked uh, by Eric Name in the post game about Chris Milton, and he basically just 
caught well this is what bud just said it's a re-aggravation of the right knee soreness he was asked is he going to play in these last two games now i would find that highly unlikely but if he wakes up tomorrow it doesn't sound like from what they're saying that it's some sort of specific injury outside of you know he's obviously been dealing with this for a while bud said i don't know i think we'll learn more and no more going forward so i couldn't say tonight so typically no real update there on chris i don't think anyone expected that we would get one tonight there is over a week until the start of the first round and i i'm not getting too down in the dumps about it but i mean this also is why it was perhaps even more important tonight to make sure you do lock in that first seed and make things i'm not saying easy but you're not playing boston in the second round essentially i mean that that was ultimately what we've been talking about a lot over the last few weeks but as i said from the top we're going to be pretty positive tonight because there was some fun stuff to see uh from this game overall you mentioned some of the individual performances and i think we can dive into that uh, a little bit more as we continue to roll through this podcast and you know, Portis and you said something interesting at the start of the season about when you are missing stars, is Bobby the guy that can fill it up or you think he can be? I think as the season's gone on, he has been that guy and he's gotten better and better. So we're going to talk more about Bobby Portis. And then we have to get to the defensive effort on DeMar DeRozan. What a performance. You don't come to expect that if you're a Bucks fan. But first, we'll talk about our friends over at iBotter. Now, groceries, that's something you can't avoid. Normally, the Bucks can't avoid DeMar DeRozan going off, uh, but you absolutely can never avoid uh, groceries. So if you've got to go there and you've got to do your shopping for your food and you're like me and you live by yourself and it's just, there's no one chopping you out. You've got to figure out what you're eating for the week and there's a lot going on. You may as well get some cash back while you're at it. You can earn cash back on every shopping trip with Ibotta. It gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods, either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop to get your cash back. It's that easy. The average iBotter user earns about 120 bucks a year in real cash back. That's a that's a free shopping trip. So you got to love that. I would love to go and do that and not have to pull out the old uh, bank card. Or you could use your cash back to buy that light, uh, that that flight you've been <laughs> you've been eyeing. I tell you what, that is an expensive light globe, but maybe that's what you want to get as well that game you're dying to go to, the postseason coming up, or the fancy dinner you've been craving as well. So right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners five bucks just for trying Ibotta by using the code LOCKED when you register. Go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use the code LOCKED. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use the code All right, so we can go into it a little bit more. I mean, the, the Brook Lopez and Bobby Portis front court, it's pretty handy in a game like this. And I think the Bucks were defensively, as long as you got Brook there, you feel pretty good about the rim protection. And obviously there was outstanding performances on the wing as well. And Chicago is a team that can hurt you there a little bit. But the offensive load carried by Bobby Portis and Brook Lopez tonight, 53 points between them. Another really vintage Brook Lopez game, he ends up, 0 for 2 from 3, so he's 10 for 17 from 2-point range. And I've been referencing this a little bit, but I was happy tonight that we actually got there. Brook Lopez with his 26th 20-plus point game of the season. Now, 15 of those have come since the start of February, so he's been on an absolute tear over this hot stretch for the Bucks. But he's now officially equaled the amount of 20-plus point games he had over the rest of his four seasons in Milwaukee. 26 over four seasons, 26 alone in this season. And then Bobby Portis, 
He was looking like he was getting a little bit unhinged towards the end of this game. He was getting into it with Zach Levine, which I love to see. He's DeMar DeRozan knocks his headband over his eyes. Bobby Portis was fully engaged in this game. He was doing it from the outside, six for nine from three. But having those two guys for the Bucks was just constant offense throughout this game. And you know, ultimately for a stretch there where you're down 10 in the third quarter, they needed an ejection of enthusiasm. And I thought those two guys were huge. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it was 51-49 at halftime. Chicago comes out and puts together a run to start the third quarter. It felt like the Bucs just kind of, you know, it really just looked like they were just not going to have the firepower, not have the legs early in that third quarter, uh, given the absences, given the lack of depth on the bench, especially from a scoring perspective, right? Not having Grayson Allen, not having Pat Connaughton. It was just kind of like, all right, you know, Jake Crowder is over five in this game. Like, all right, Jake, can, can, can you hit any shots tonight? You know, he was really good last night in Washington. Maybe the old crusty vets on the second night of a back-to-back, just not quite having the legs. Um, but, you know, two guys, fortunately for the Bucks, off the bench scored. Joe Ingles, Wes Matthews. I thought both of them were really crucial. Joe Moore, obviously, with, you know, his offense and playmaking, especially when once Chris goes out of the game, you know, when Drew's not on the floor, Joe Ingles suddenly becomes extremely important just in terms of being, you know, kind of the, the playmaker for, for that second unit. Um, you know, only three assists tonight, but nine points on seven shots. Uh, hit a, a couple important threes in the second half, including that one while he was falling out of bounds in which he picked up a technical for, I don't know that he actually even, it's, it's strange for Joe Ingles to get a technical without saying anything, considering he's always talking. But looked like he got a technical basically for just immediately getting into Pat Bev's face. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if you saw anything. I didn't necessarily see him say a word. Um, but the officials seem to want to nip that in the bud as quickly as possible. Um, but you know, again, Ingles hit on offense, and then Wes Matthews. You know, talk about the defense on DeRozan. You know, we saw it last year. Obviously, the longer that playoff series went on, the more the Bucks were able to really lock in on. DeRozan, frustrate him, be able to defend him, get handsy without committing fouls, without going for the pump fakes. I think tonight probably part of it was also just, I mean, second night of the back-to-back for both teams. And it's, I mean, we see this, right? Like the older the guys are, the more you'll just see games where just like, they just don't have the sharpness when they're playing on the second night of a back-to-back. I think that was kind of some of the issue for DeMar tonight. Um, because look, take nothing away from the Bucks defense. I thought, Drew started on him. You know, what was the stat? He was over five, over six, I think, with Drew defending him. West came in, put in some good shifts. Um, you know, I, th- I think in general, they just did a really nice job. Jay Crowder, you know, had some good spells even on him as well. I mean, I wouldn't think of Jay necessarily um, being able to keep up foot speed wise, but with DeMar, he's not really trying to take you to the rim that much anyway. So uh, they just did a really nice job frustrating him and making him take difficult shots. And we we know that DeMar DeRozan can hit difficult shots all day long. But fortunately tonight, you know, to me, the, the big number is that just two free throws, only two free throws, three for 12 from the field, scoreless in the first half. And, um, you know, the Bucks were losing when he was still scoreless. And I was kind of like, man, you're down 10 and DeMar DeRozan hasn't even scored. Like, how is this possible? Bucks had hit a bunch of threes. Uh, but fortunately, the defense kind of continued to do what they could do. And, you know, Vucevic had some, some decent moments, but at the end of the day, 
kind of a similar story of what we've often seen from Vooch against the Bucks. You know, he'll get he'll get looks at threes against the Bucks, but just one out of six, 21 points on 21 shots from him. And, you know, Javon Carter, I want to give credit to John but Javon Carter. Javon Carter had some really good defensive spells against Zach Levine in last year's playoffs, which, you know, you look at the size differential and you say, like, oh, can Javon really defend a guy like much bigger who's also athletic in Zach Levine? I thought he did a really nice job kind of annoying and staying in front of Zach Levine in last year's playoffs. And he did a really nice job. Gets the starting gig tonight. Obviously he wasn't defending Zach the entire time, but I thought he did a nice job on Zach. And overall, again, just the team defense was really good. And, and you look at the the numbers with Levine one out of eight from three, maybe a little bit of luck there, but just four for nine on twos, five out of 17 overall, just three free throws. You know, you hold Levine and DeRozan to 21 points combined on 29 shots. You would hope that that's a basketball game. And so uh, some of these games um, over the last week or two have kind of just been like, all right, you know, especially against lesser teams, we can just get into a track meet, just outscore you. I thought tonight it was good to see them kind of lock in against a team that has skilled players in the half court and be able to force them to take difficult shots and ultimately, you know, I think they had like a 95 defensive rating or something tonight. So really good defensive effort on a night when, you know, missing offensive firepower, they actually really could have used that type of defensive work and they got it. And obviously the the payoff of clinching the no one seed is, is a big one. And the bulls have been, you know, playing well lately, right? I mean, the bulls are not a team, you know, we, we've seen them at various points this season. They beat the bucks in the first two games that these teams played. Um, you know, we saw the Bucks beat them last game without Giannis, um, thanks to a big second half three-point shooting. Uh, we know they've been sort of up and down all year, but you know, credit to the Bucks, take care of business. And you know, again, when Chris goes out with that injury, you start to see the Bucks feeling a little wobbly offensively. I started to think a little bit. Okay, they got to. They, maybe they lose tonight, and then you got Memphis, and then you got to go to Toronto. Toronto will probably have something to play for on Sunday. Memphis is still I, mathematically still, you know, kind of in a little bit of a battle in the West standings. Eh, started to get a little bit nervous um, trying to look ahead to the schedule a little bit. Obviously, Boston would have had to win out as well, but they've got, I think, three home games left. So um, let's just say very relieved and um, pretty impressed by the guys that that were still upright at the end of this game, being able to to close this one out and, um, you know, thinking back to the first game in Milwaukee between these two teams, we saw the Bulls just hit a bunch of threes in the fourth quarter and kind of shocked the Bucks a bit by beating them in the first meeting between the teams in Milwaukee. So it was nice to see the Bulls just kind of start firing blanks uh, and uh, ultimately things break the Bucks' way. I think it was like 80, 86 to 82 or something like that at one point. And uh, Bucks pretty much just kind of locked them down from there on out and they got a few points late, but just 20, 16 points in the fourth quarter for Chicago. I think uh, we'll happily take that any day of the week. Bulls firing blanks is always problematic, but not tonight if you're a Bucks fan <laughs> and they're able to win this game. <laughs> but there is an outside chance uh, that the Bulls could be a first-round matchup. So perhaps yeah. next we'll look at the bottom end of the standings here as as we move forward. But uh, when we looked at the schedule towards the back end of the season, we knew the Bucks had that Boston game, which was a disaster, but... It was going to be challenging that schedule part. And then this this other back-to-back here, to be able to win these three games straight, you go back to how important that Philadelphia game was. 
It might not have always been pretty, but the Bucks have just taken care of business here, which is exactly what they had to do. And one just final point there on Javon Carter as well, because the defensive stuff, uh, I'm glad you brought that up. The offensive stuff, we've spoken a lot about the shot selection and those types of things, but you know, even early in this game, when everyone looked like they were sleepwalking up and down the court, Chris Milton leaves, Javon Carter started three or four from three, and they kind of needed... It wasn't going to be panic stations, but they were kind of handy baskets at that time as well. So we've seen that he's been a, a plus 40% three-point shooter for the bulk of the season, and that continues to be pretty important uh, for this team. And we figure he's going to play a bigger role, certainly in the postseason, than he did uh, last year. I want to talk about FanDuel before we look at the stand-ins at the bottom of the East and what the it might look like for the Bucks as far as a first-round matchup goes at the end of the playing tournament, but the NBA playoffs are almost here. And now is the perfect time to download FanDuel America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to 1000 bucks. That's bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, just download the FanDuel sports book app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Now, Bobby Portis was, he was campaigning at the end of this game. He had a post game interview. He was campaigning for six man in a year. So I pulled up the odds here. Emmanuel quickly minus 350. Still a little strange to me. I don't know. Maybe I haven't watched enough Knicks. Malcolm Brogdon at plus 250. Bobby Portis is the third favorite, but he's at plus 6,500. So I don't know. Is there going to start to be a public push? He would point it down the camera and said, vote for me. So we'll see whether there's any uh, late push for Bobby Portis, but that's sixth man. Of the year, so don't miss your chance to get a no sweat first bet up to one thousand bucks in bonus bets back when you uh, in bonus bets when you go to fanduelcom on. That's fanduelcom on to learn more. Make every moment more with Fanduel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So one of the strange things with the way the schedule, and we're a couple of years into this now, so we're not totally foreign to how all this is going to play out. But the Bucs now can afford to rest some guys and go in preservation mode over the final weekend of the season. But then they've got another half a week or almost a full week uh, to wait for game one of the first round. So, you know, they'll always be coming into game one. It's, are they going to be a little sleepy after having a week off potentially uh, before coming into that game? But looking at how it sits, and there's not actually that much of a gap in the standings between... Brooklyn, Miami, and then below. But I'm thinking that Brooklyn and Miami are going to go through. I think that the Bucks opponent is probably going to be between Atlanta, Toronto, and Chicago. And I asked Justin and Camille this on the podcast last week when we were sort of projecting ahead. Justin, just no concerns at all. He doesn't give a stuff who the Bucks play. He's very, very confident. I'm still in the boat that I, I would prefer not to play Toronto. Uh, Frank, but how closely, I know you're a standings watcher. I know you're a scoreboard scoreboard watcher. How closely are you going to be tracking what happens over the weekend here? And then obviously we'll all be watching the playing tournament. Yeah, I mean, if there wasn't a playing tournament and we actually were going to know by the end of the weekend who the Bucks were going yeah, to play, I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd probably be watching them more closely. But given the fact that, you know, four teams are going to get to the plan and we're going to need to watch the plan to know who ultimately plays the Bucks. Um, I haven't been following it as closely. I was mainly looking at it today just to try to figure out, you know, what are the odds Toronto would, is even going to have something to play for on Sunday when the Bucks play. All the East, all the Eastern Conference games um, are starting at noon on Sunday. The West teams are playing at two thirty, I think. Um, so basically, it's it's kind of like in soccer. This is like a definitely a big soccer thing. I don't know if they do this in Aussie rules football, Kane as well, but like last 
actually, I think maybe in like Spain, they do the last two weeks of the year, but they basically try to play games, you know, at the same time to end the season, just so there isn't any kind of funny business with, uh, you know, teams that, that need to win games to either for European, you know, competition, positioning, relegation, things like that. But in the same thing, and I don't, honestly, I don't really remember. I, I should probably know this. Like I'm, I can't recall offhand if, how, if they've always done that or if this is a more recent phenomenon, but I think it was um, last year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So long story short, um, we probably won't know until Saturday, the games on Saturday, um, whether Sunday matters to Toronto, but certainly any of those teams that you mentioned positioning for the play in tournament. Um, I mean, it's, it's a big deal if you're seven versus eight, nine versus, versus 10 or eight versus nine, whatever, right. It's having a home game, not having a home game, needing to win two games versus one game. Um, you know, obviously it's a, it's a pretty big, big swing. And, I would say in terms of who I would want to play, I mean, I, I think we're obviously very comfortable as Bucks fans seeing the Bulls, you know, given what we saw last year, you lose Middleton, you get that kind of first game scare, and then you come back and even without Chris, they were able to handle them very easily. Um, and again, as much as Chicago, I, I mean, are they capable of beating the Bucks in a, in a, in a game? Yes, for sure. We know that, but um, I think they would be the team I'd, I'd probably most like to play. Atlanta's probably been, I mean, Atlanta's maybe even more dysfunctional than the Bulls. Um, but I don't know. I mean, we, we obviously saw the Bucks have some struggles with them early in the season. Um, and I, I, just, I feel like I've seen just enough of Atlanta. They're, they're kind of just a weird team between Capella and in particular Kongwu. They, they actually have, you know, a couple of guys that can at least credibly face off against Giannis. Not that they're, you know, just going to stop Giannis, but Okongwu in particular, I think has shown he can frustrate Giannis. So I don't know. I mean, that team is really talented. Who knows? You know, they have a, a better coach now. I'd probably rather not play the Hawks, but, you know, am I concerned about having to face the Hawks in the first round? Uh, I mean, no, I mean, I think at this point you got to feel confident. I think probably maybe the more interesting question is, you know, if, if Chris Middleton has to miss parts of the first round of the playoffs, right, which, you know, at this point is pure speculation, you know, is there any would you have concerns? And I would say the Raptors again, just because of the kind of physical tools, athleticism that they have um, and just the kind of sheer variance, right? If Fred Van Vliet has another baby between now and the start of the playoffs, um, you know, we wouldn't want to see, see him again. Uh, so yeah, I would say Toronto is probably the team I would least want to see then probably Atlanta and, and the Bulls would probably be the, my preferred opponent. But, um, but overall, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I would tend to agree, take more of the, the Justin standpoint in general, right? I think um, Bucks have been good enough, and especially if they're have their more or less full complement of players. I don't think you'd look at uh, at those guys as those two teams being particularly scary. And and even Miami, honestly, like, I mean, you know, but talk between the Bulls last year and the the Heat a couple years ago, I I don't think the Heat match up particularly well with the Bucks. Um, I think the fact that you know as we've seen you can actually put Giannis on Jimmy and it's just a really hard matchup for Jimmy. Um, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think any of those teams would, would be particularly scary to me, but um, you know, again, this is again, we're, we're kind of injuries can be the great variable. Right. And if you were to lose, you know, not have Chris for part of that first round or, you know, again, be down multiple guys, Giannis turns an ankle, right? We've we've seen what what can happen, right, in the playoffs in terms of either short and long term injuries. So, 
I don't want to, I never want to take anything for granted, but, um, you know, certainly I think getting the one seed, um, probably not worried so much about the, it's not so much for the first round as it is for the second round. The fact that you give yourself a chance to, you know, hopefully have a, an easier opponent in the second round, not have to face Boston or Philly at that point. Well, we understand that disaster can happen, but we don't even want to bring that up. We don't yeah. even want to mention that, but uh, what we are potentially heading for is Brooklyn and Philadelphia in the first round. And what if they just bring out Ben Simmons in a in a magical reveal for game one and then he takes over the series and eliminates Philadelphia in the first round? It might not be the most uh, likely of scenarios, but uh, who knows with young Ben and that series, uh, Brooklyn and Philadelphia. All right, make sure you check out the Locked On Game to Game podcast wherever you get your podcast news, scores, stats, info, analysis from around the NBA on a nightly basis. And a quick recap from the Locked On hosts around the network. Uh, well worth a listen. Locked on game to game, wherever you get your podcasts on your Locked On NBA feed. Well, Frank, it's been a pretty long regular season so far to this point. But the Bucks, they can still win 60 games. We'll see. They've got, obviously, Memphis and then Toronto. And by the way, that Toronto game at 3 a.m. for me on Monday morning is not exactly how uh, I like to, to start my my work week but uh, we'll get up and we'll do something so we'll have another podcast tomorrow leading into the memphis game we might have some more news on chris milton and anything out of tonight's game the other point that i would make is i was on pat connard and watch on the bench tonight and he was jumping around and celebrating like a madman so i i don't think pat's ankle is is all that serious frank i'm not as worried about pat connard he seemed to be seemed to be traveling okay but overall could have been worse. Could have been more nervous tonight if the Bucks weren't able to seal this. So it's a pretty good feeling to lock up the number one seed. And now uh, strap ourselves in for another postseason run, Frank. You reckon you got one in you? <laughs> uh, do I have a choice? No, not really. Um, I think well, probably, probably, I think probably at some point maybe we can talk about the collective bargaining agreement um, and some of the implications for that for the Bucks long term. Um, but I think for, for all teams that are veteran laden teams with very high payrolls in which the bucks are near the very top. Um, I think the, the, what I took from the new CBA was compete while you can compete. Um, and I think from a talent perspective, provided the bucks are healthy, you know, uh, it's going to be hard to have a team as talented as what you have today. So make the most of it, right. No time, like, like the present. So, um, excited for another playoff run. And obviously the big question now is just, you hope that it's a, it's a healthy one and hopefully it's a, it's another very memorable and long one. All right. As we said off the top, we appreciate everyone watching and listening. If you haven't done so yet, subscribe, drop a comment, like review rates, all those nice things. It helps us. It's free to do. Uh, and it's not just a token. It actually really does help the show and get more visibility on what we're trying to do here on Locked on Bucks. So we appreciate it. Thanks for watching again today. Another podcast tomorrow as we head into the weekend and the final two games of the regular season.